Chris Ross, good morning to you. Um, always a pleasure, never a chore. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Have you been? I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in you, and I'll tell you why. Why is um, that? You're not, you're not on Strava yet. I have to, no, so I have been, I've been in discussions with uh, club co Strava coordinators, and I have promised I will get on Strava. However, I'm slightly concerned as to, is this going to be mean that the government can can oversee where I'm going? Can I be done for a breach of lockdown rules? For going it was, the, fir walk on it was the first thing that I thought about when I joined the club's Strava group. So just for those yeah. of you who don't know, um, West have joined a Strava. I think in, in Strava, you can join as a club. And yeah. so in order for, I think, a bit of motivation, a bit of how do we keep all together, the club has decided yeah. that we will get a club membership on Strava. And you can join as a club member and you don't need to be a member of another club to join their club because I've already joined Grange. Um, so it would be great just for clubs out there if they wanted yep. a, a little bit of uh, motivation, then we could, uh, we could give them a shout out. So I see Cammy Gibb was on. Uh, was he? Yes. Uh, I didn't know he could run. Um, yeah. So he, he He's, he's, well, I mean, what do you mean you didn't when you say you didn't know he could run like is that a comment on you didn't know he could run well or you literally you thought like Cammy literally could not move at running speed no, 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 <laughs> he, <laughs> he can run pretty quickly but he, he's clearly been out on the sauce the night before but he's still done a six mile run in seven minute mile pace that's so, not bad is it I tell you what he'd be in my first 11 as far What's as 10, middle distance 10, running that's about 10k at what how many minutes Oh, that would be a shade of 44, 45 minutes. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, yeah. I tell 40, you, 44, 10K is pretty good. Yeah, I tell you who needs a little bit of work is Mike Miller. Does he? An I, hour. I'm not surprised. An Lazy hour. And unfit. Unfit. An hour for his 10K. An hour for the 10K. That's nine, nine minute 45 mile pacing. Mike, that's you need cool. to sharpen up. A young lad like that as well. Indeed, indeed. Before we get, we've got Riyadh on. Riyadh Henry's coming on, so I've got some great chat with him. He's always good value. Yep, so definitely. we'll get him on just in a moment. Uh, but let's talk about the posh 11. I'm very the keen to try 11. and put together a posh 11. So we need okay. to think about um, selection policy. And I think so there's a couple of things I've been thinking about. Um, I think that if you've um, been honoured by the Queen, then I, I yep. think you should get in. So an MBE, OBE, um, is that Kyle Kutzer is so captain, he's captain. Of Scotland and the Porsche living? Yes. Okay. And, and then first nomination, I think, is that fellow down at Dumfries with a and a double-barreled name. I think if you've got a double-barreled name, then is that Corbett Byers? Corbett Byers. So so he's yeah. in my team. Yeah, I think double-barrel name is is a certainty. Like you have to be in uh -huh. if you've got a double-barrel name. And I think you had come on, and then somebody who has got two surnames. Yep. So I think yeah, if so, you've got two surnames, then then that's quite posh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think are you not are you thinking of the guy from the under 19s World Cup? Yeah, who had three surnames because he had a double barrel name and a surname for a first name. He's opening the batting. What's his name? <laughs> I think it was Durness Mackay Champion. So I think Sorry, repeat that. Durness Mackay Champion. I think Champion was his surname. Uh -huh. So a winner. A proven winner. He <laughs> might be shite. But I tell you what, he's got the best name ever. Who does he play? Who does he play for? I don't know. I have to say, in adding to the posh living, I'm not entirely sure whether he's 
he might well be a, a sort of a work into the Scotland from an indirect route, shall we say? Do you think? Right. Okay. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll get Riyadh on, um, yeah. and then we'll have a chat about. We're going to have a chat with Riyadh um, about his season, um, about the season that he had with Fergus Lee. He's there, resplendent in a Scottish football top. Um, <laughs> Riyadh, are you well? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. How are you? And is that an up-to-date Scottish? Is that what we're wearing at the moment? Is it? No, I think I got this in 2018. Right. I think I got it for my, I got it for my birthday from the club boys. So it suits yeah. you well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> suits you well. Anyway, how are you getting on in this COVID time? Uh, probably as good as it's going to get, I guess. Um, working from home, so that helps. What is it that um, you do? Uh, I work for Sky. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so working just been sitting at home and working. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of your prospects of actually getting out and playing any cricket this season? Uh, I think we'll be very lucky if we do. Um, yeah. I think obviously depending on when it ends, you're only really looking at potentially getting in T20 cricket because that mm. will be the easiest to squeeze in, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had certainly been thinking at the start of doing all of this that we were relatively confident that we would get maybe even half a league season and some T20. But as it's gone on and, and as it's continued, then it's just becoming more and more unlikely, I think, anyway. Chris, what are your thoughts? Change from last yeah, week yeah, at all? No, increasing, I think increasingly, like both of you, think that we're very unlikely to get anything organised. I just don't see how it will be, yeah, how we would get get everything in place for it to, to work like to, to operate. I think you see the amount of effort that the professional football leagues are going through to get yeah, to it with yeah. people being tested at every every turn. So whereas I feel testing people for Saturday morning Scottish League cricket games might throw up some uh, some issues around people's personal choices pre the night before matches. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Riyad, what I thought we would do is have a chat about the, the season. Um, and, and how you got on, um, and then a little bit about your time in Australia. But first of all, you're obviously coach. I think one of your main jobs there at Fergus Lee is, is coach. Is that right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've had a guy, fellow on Andrew Reid, who um, professes to be the, um, the out-the-shoe cricket coach. And, and last <laughs> week he was doing some cut shots. This week he sent us a video about... Um, I guess it could only be described as sweeps. Um, and from your professional point of view, I'd just like you just to, to take us through um, what, what your thoughts are here. So <laughs> ju just as we go, so, so, it's, so it's Andrew Reid and, and he, he's playing what can only be described as, as a bit of a wobbly sweep. Um, <laughs> and then he, he does this curious thing at the end where he, he bids a thumbs up. Um, so any any initial thoughts on that, Riyadh? Um, <laughs> I guess it's all right as long as you hit the ball. I don't really care what position you get into. What about the what about the, the 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 grip? He's 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 got a huge gap between both of his hands. Well, Faf to perceive bats like that. So there's quite a few guys who bat like that. I think it's. Just what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. You know, Gilchrist used to hold the bat up really high on the handle, whereas yep. other people can choke the bat and some have a gap. Have a gap. It's just 
it's whatever comes naturally. I think like that's sometimes the issue with with coaching is you want people to to bat and bowl a certain way or things to look a certain way uh, when you're batting and bowling. You've just got to let people be them. You know that's what makes that's what makes the best players. Yeah, Ashley Mamba, uh, Steve Smith, those guys—they're all different. I'm sensing a, a diff- Johnny Johnny with the, the sort of the, somebody who's come through in the early '90s and the purists' approach to the game, whereas Riyad, the modern coach, there. That's it. <laughs> I thought you were going to rip him apart. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. <laughs> that means that means we're just going to encourage him even more. He'll be on with another bloody video. <laughs> I want well, to try. If you, keep, if you keep sharing the screen and showing the films, well, that's true. Time. That's true. I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. I want to see him try to play a drive with hands that far apart in the back. <laughs> <laughs> He'll break his bloody wrists. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen. Let's get on. Let's get on. Um, Riyad, you won the championship the year before by an absolute street. Um, and and I guess. What were your thoughts coming into the season? You know, you must have been fairly buoyant. Coming into 2019, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, obviously you, you're high on confidence having done what we just did. Um, but you also, we also had to be realistic. We knew that we had lost well over a thousand runs between Elliot and Michael. Um Add in Michael's wickets, um, and then you're looking at Hamza's wickets over 25 wickets. Um, makes makes a big difference. Seven lost Cami, mm-hmm. also being out for the whole season. Guys mm-hmm. like uh, Jamie, who was our captain um, in that season that we won, um, he obviously had work commitments, so he wasn't always able to train and, and play all the games and stuff. Although we did play quite a few, so we, we also had to be realistic. But we knew that even without those guys, we still had the talent mm-hmm. to win it again. We yep. knew we could win it. Um, it was just a case of whether we as a team and individuals believed that we could do either what those guys did or better. We don't have to do it. And this was the, the difficult thing, and myself included. Like We didn't have to go and score the amount of runs like they did or take the amount of wickets like they did we also didn't have to leave it to three people mm-hmm. you know if you take the over thousand runs all we had to do is split it between our top five yeah yeah but at the same time still scoring if like our normal runs anyway but just yeah. splitting the rest of the runs. same with the wickets um and i think like if we're honest with ourselves we probably would say no we probably weren't that confident in ourselves personally like each individual and mm-hmm. um, although we would we would keep on telling people yeah we back ourselves we back ourselves as a team we back ourselves as individuals but i think deep down inside and it just felt mm, that's a big ask because it is a big ask yeah. did, did you consciously dial down the expectation within the team or was that an internal thing from, from yourself no, I think like we we felt and like speaking to the individuals when we were doing our preseason training, we knew in that season we can win that season too, mm-hmm. and we knew we could do the same in in the other 
competitions that we, we knew we, we could be successful. It was just a case of the belief um, and then going out and making it happen. So how, as a captain, how as a captain did you deal with that? Because there's a really interesting balance, isn't there, between the confidence and saying, having the belief and te- telling people that you back yourself, but also what I think is also really important about being honest about either the step up that people need to make and the jump that you've got to make both as individuals and as a team. Yeah, I think like um, the, the struggle that came in for me personally, um, and this is probably the first time I've, I've said this, was I wasn't leading from the front either. So I found it really difficult, although I did at times go to people and say, listen, you really need to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, purely because I felt I wasn't doing it, so what right do I have to go and tell you to go and do that? Yep. Um, when you say that you weren't doing it, do you mean by performances? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and then I've always tried to instill what I see and what I believe in a player. I always make sure that they know that. Yeah, but make sure that they also understand that it's no use in me believing in you when you don't 100% believe in you. Mm-hmm. Then it, there's no point. And were you taking guys aside on a, on a weekly basis um, and having a chat with them? Or is that just something that sort of came naturally and, and there wasn't... Uh, how much of a focus on, on the individual one-to-ones were there? Um. In chats, it would, it would be more of kind of whatever would just, when it would come to my mind. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it would happen during a game, um, after a game, or even just during the week. Like, it just depends on what comes to my mind. And if I see something happening, for example, in training, or if I see a certain type of body language or a certain... Yeah thing that they're doing that I think right this person might just need you know to have a chat um, I've always wondered um, you know coming from a sort of corporate background where there's all these things about appraisals weekly meetings etc I wondered and I've never come across any club yet that's actually had that in place whereby the the skipper has an uh, a weekly chat goals are set written down etc i don't know whether that's taking it too far from a club perspective but i wonder how much of a benefit that would be i think it would be would be pretty good um you've just got to be very careful in terms of how you do it because it's mm. such a it's still a very much an amateur sport yeah um you don't want people who who don't want to progress to, to higher teams. You don't want them to, to lose the fun mm-hmm. in it um, because it's very easy to to get rid of that. Whereas guys who, who want to go to the next level and want to play this professionally, that to them would be a little bit of fun too because you know they get they'll get excited about saying goals or you know as being well prepared. As with a lot of things, I guess it's how you would introduce that. Um, yeah. And I guess one of the ways of introducing that was, well, listen, there are things that we all need to work on. We know that. All we're doing is we're just formulating that so that we know that by talking about it on a weekly basis, we're, we're examining what your flaws are, your 
your good points, etc., so that you become a better player. And if you become a better player, then the, the team ultimately will become better. I also yeah. think a huge chunk of that is not just in the the skill side of the game, is it? It's the certainly what I what I notice, I don't think it's just at West, is that a lot of the stuff that holds people back is personal dynamics between people and having an opportunity to actually air those as you would in a work a workplace is really, really important because there's so much emphasis on the positive team dynamic. So having a formal set setting for people to <clears throat> to raise whatever their issues might be, either that's with other people in terms of performance or how they're conducting themselves, I think it would be really important. But like you say, we had, there's that real balance with not driving people out, the fun out of it for certain people as well. I think you've also got to be careful in terms of how you deal with it. See, like in the corporate world, I'm assuming managers and, and business leaders get leadership and yeah. business coaching or team management training. Mm-hmm. Whereas over here, as I said, it's an amateur sport. So, you know, it's either your most experienced guy is the captain or it's it's something along the lines of that, some way where the, the team would respect him. But the two of you would handle criticism differently if I if I gave it yeah, yeah. You need to some people need to be pulled aside and done individually, whereas other people you can do it in a group and just say, listen, you need to pull your socks up. Um, so you have that sort of dynamic in there too. Yeah, and like you say, well, I think cricket team captaincy in Scotland is a bit of a, there's such a, like, there's so many different aspects to it already and people are not, not managers, like they're not necessarily managers of people. And yeah, so it's how you find, whether there's like a separate role for that within within clubs or whatever, I don't know. I think one of the one of the big issues, and, and I think that potentially could all work if all the captain had to do was do that. But the problem with a lot of clubs is that the captain has got to organise 15 other different things yeah. <laughs> and he's got to try and organise the team. And, and yeah. I think that if you're going to do something like that, then you have to make sure that everything else is delegated because you yeah. can't do everything. And ultimately, you as the skipper, certainly when I was skipper back in the day, the most important thing is to win bloody cricket games on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, in my case, I was fortunate. Like, I had a really well-organised vice-captain in Harun. Like, you know, whenever I needed him to sort out teams, he would sort that out. Whenever I needed him to sort out, right, who's driving if we're playing away, you know, he would he would be on that. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, so that was really good. So you need someone like that in your, yeah. in your team. I think, see, jumping backwards slightly, Ria, to the idea of like, so you've obviously lost all those, the runs and wickets from the team, but what you've lost there as well, just in terms of this like preparation and how, how much belief people had, you've also lost obviously in Michael and in Hamza, two people that are in, in the Scotland team or around the Scotland setup, And in Elliot, I'm assuming somebody who played a high standard of cricket in South Africa, I assume. Um, yeah. You're also, you're not just losing runs, I get runs and wickets there, you're also losing people who prepare themselves in the right way, who want to play the game at a high standard. Do you feel that people, the guys you've brought in, were ready to step up from that at preparation and professionalism standpoint, as well as the wickets, or do you think that was also something that was missing? Um, yeah, good point, actually. Um, I, th- I think the guys we, we had... In, in our setup, besides besides the people that we had to bring in, yep. um, 
we had quite a few guys who have played at a good level um, yeah. or inspired to play at a higher level. So we, we still had that sort of, you know, expectation or um, setting of standards. Um, but it was still a lot of lot to ask of them because a lot of those guys were still quite young yeah. and in terms of age. So to put responsibility on, on, on them for, for something like that is quite difficult unless they've played for a long time in that sort of role. You know, if you look at Fergusley, they've relied on Hamza for a long time mm-hmm. to bowl the way that he's bowled and to, to play the way that he's played. Same with Michael. It's been a long time. Um, whereas I think the first season that Hamza left was the first time Haroon could step up to that role and he yeah. could only do that for one year because then Hamza came back. So he has to now get used to that again. Yeah. So listen, let's take you back to the start of the season. Um, first game was washed out against Clydesdale and then you have this game against Adi who ended up obviously winning the, the title. Um it was a tight game. Take us back to that. And did you feel at some stage, you must have felt for a greater period of the game that you had it wrapped up? Yeah. Um, especially when they were 48 for eight, chasing 108. Um, <laughs> they were 48 for eight. Yeah. Oh, um, I bowled I Jamie and um, Adil through, and the two of them took four each. Yep. So they finished their 10, and Harun and I kind of just looked at each other and went, mate, let's finish up. Let's, you know, clean them up and let's go home. Yeah. Um, and see, to be fair, they, they did, it might have looked ugly, but I think the two, Brian Clark and, <clears throat> and Neil Alexander, did their job. Yeah. They didn't play anything rash. Um, to me, for example, the pitch was, was really green, so it was doing a lot. Um, they would just play the line. So when the ball moved, you're missing the bat by a couple of inches, and that's just what they did. So they forced me to have to try to get a wicket. When did you start thinking that, James, we're, we're, we might be struggling here a bit? Because at 48 for 8, you're thinking... Ah, just another four here, another four there, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. We'll eventually get a couple of chances and, and that'll be it. And then suddenly they go to 70 and then they're eight. Was there 100 and something? What were they needing? 108. 108, yeah. 108. So, you know, they've, they've got to double their score with two wickets. And you've already had eight for, for 48. Um, when did you start thinking, Chings, we're struggling? I think, it was, I think it was only when they needed single figures that's yeah. when I probably really started getting worried because I still knew that if we just get one we, we can get another yeah. you know you're bowling at number 11 so I didn't feel like we were out of it right up until the end mm-hmm. um, but yeah we, we were we were unlucky in terms of you want if you want to call it unlucky like you can say the ball was doing too much or you can say they just played the line that was yeah, coming in and yeah. um, didn't didn't move their hands. Harun still bowled really well, and they just did what they had to do yeah. to to get there. And they weren't, you know, looking for to to take the pressure off themselves. They were just looking to ride the pressure. So they weren't looking to 
whack a couple of fours and see if we'll panic. They would just get a one every over or a two every yeah. over. That's it. So did you take more confidence from that on the basis that you'd lost all these players, but you were still able to compete against what ended up being the best, uh, well, the, the champions? It's, I think it was a bit of both. Because, yeah, we felt good because they, they had obviously brought in a few more players, uh, really good players, so they were a really strong team. Uh, on paper, and you could see that in the game, they were a really strong team, and they had a lot of confidence. Um, but at the same time, no matter how much confidence you take out of a game like that, you still got to look at it that you had them forty-eight for eight, and you couldn't mm. get two wickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I do wonder that, that was difficult. Yeah, I wonder as well in that situation where you've got those new guys in, and you're looking to replace people who've had leadership roles in terms of the amount of wickets and runs that they've scored and you're bringing new people in say like Haroon who's been asked to step up whether do you know I mean just those like early games the momentum that can bring like if you win that and schedule them for 60 yeah. how much belief do people take from that for yeah. for all the other close games that come and on the other side of that when you lose it how much do people go shit do you remember when they got an extra 60 or whatever chasing mm. they were 48 yeah. for me I think in an amateur sport particularly for me that sort of stuff is such a such a big part because that to them would also like as much as it, we could probably have looked at it in certain ways and given us confidence um but also if you look at the actual game it, it takes a lot of that confidence away for them no matter how they looked at that game there was confidence to take out of it yeah yes so yeah. that i think like that you know really took a big step for them in terms of their season going forward because no matter what situation they were going to be in, they, they had remember back. To, yeah. to, to draw some confidence out of. Absolutely. And I think for them as well, you then also have that they obviously lost that the really close game against West. And it doesn't have the same effect because you've still got, again, you have that thing to look back on and go, well, that yeah. one was shit. But we've still got that really good one where we pulled it out the bag to refer back yeah. to so it's almost as if <clears throat> losing that game, it put a fire under you guys because you end up going to Drumpy's, beat them, you beat Greenock, and then you turn up at Hamilton Crescent. And gee whiz, you boys were on fire that day. Well, I don't yeah, know what happened with West. It just West didn't seem to turn up, but you guys were all over us. Again, I, I think it's like what gets set as your tone. Whatever tone gets set, that's, that's what you, you get to ride off. Um, yeah. How do you try and set that so tone? Do you, do you go out and try and set a particular tone at the start of the game or does sometimes it just happen and, and you ride the wave? Yeah, just, just let it happen. I think you've, you've got to look at probably who you have in your team. I think at that stage, um, Tamoa was still opening the batting um, and he's, he's quite an attacking player. So if he comes off you've got the momentum with you. Um, you know, similar to how Michael did for us. Yeah. You know, if he comes off, he scores really quickly, he runs well, so you're getting off to a good start. Um, so, you, you have to balance it out that way because if he gets out early and you lose another one early, then the momentum's with mm. the bowling side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we don't consciously go out and say, right, go stamp your authority. I think it's just a case of Go out and just bat how you bat. 
And then you came back around, you, you lost against Preston, you beat West, um, you then lost at, at Prestwick, it was a pretty poor performance, I guess, all around 90 all out, and then you went to, to Uddy, and I guess, was, was Uddy, did you say to the guys, listen, you know, Uddy by that stage are, are top of the league, we, that really had to be a, a, a win game for you. Yeah, we knew like when when the second when the second half started, we knew that if we if we get, whatever game we get in to play and finish, we had to win, mm -hmm. no matter what. So it didn't become a case of all oh, right, we need to target this team or we need to do that, we need to do this. It's just we need to go out and win, no matter what. Yeah, and, I think. And at Adi is quite difficult to win. Yeah. But yeah. we knew we could. I think the way the league was set up last year as well, with the gap between, well, certainly the gap at the bottom where there were three pretty poor teams, like you could guarantee if teams played against them, they were winning. So exactly, you had, there, was, there wasn't room exactly in the second half to lose more than. To really have lost more than a game, I don't think, for the whole season because there was such a big gulf and because so many games were being lost to weather. Yeah, yeah and also how close the top three was, was also yeah. one game could take you from first to potentially fourth or third, you know? Yeah. And then a good end to the season with a, a spanking of Prestwick. Yeah, I think, like, and, and that's the... That's probably the funny thing about looking back at it is... You know, you could probably say right at that point, they probably felt their league's done. They're not going to win it. So they maybe took it a bit easy. You could say that potentially. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's actually what they were doing or what they felt. Um, but in our case, I think all the pressure is now off. Yeah. We, we, we don't have anything to play for. Just go out and focus, but express yourself. Mm -hmm. and it's funny how that happens when there's no pressure on you go out and you do do your thing um, yep. it's the same as like going out and bowling at cones you know you can hit them all day <laughs> and then you come and you bowl to a bass and then you dish up six half volleys well, Brian, Brian Clark and Niall Alexander for 10 over yeah. straight from exactly we haven't had too many people on who are, have been in the sort of warrior setup. I just wanted to touch a little bit on that. Um, the, how are you feeling that the Warriors thing is, is, is going? It, it seems to me that for certainly when, and you know, fair enough, this is 20 years ago, but West was one of the strongest areas. Um, and that was certainly the amount of guys who played in the Western Union and the Scottish Cricket Union League back then they were representing Scotland. There now seems to be fewer and fewer guys from the West who are making that that jump. Um, and that seems to be reflected in, in the Warriors setup. We just seem to be behind a lot of the other teams. Yeah, I think like again, I wasn't I wasn't there um all those years ago, but I've heard stories and I've obviously spoken to my dad and I think the whole structure and dynamic and culture was completely different. Um, I think in the West, there is a massive, massive focus in juniors for football. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was probably just, it was probably 
pretty big back then. But I think now with the amount of money that there is in football, I think the focus is even bigger on yeah. football. Um, that's, that's my opinion. Um, and then I think if I've, I've not managed to see what sort of schools play cricket and how they play their cricket and what the, the dynamic is there, but I think like that, is, that needs to be really good. And I don't know if it was good back then. I also think that um, to widen your base of, of players, the structure needs to be better. I think there's too much of a gap between going straight from club cricket to going to Warriors. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be, and I think my dad spoke about it a while ago, it's like almost like a bit of district cricket. So within the West, you have different teams besides the clubs that play against each other. So if you're not involved in the Warriors, but you've still got a lot of skill, you've still got talent, you've still got ability, and you're someone who maybe wants to take it a little bit further, especially like the youngsters, they then have an opportunity to play against each other instead of having uh, regional development stuff that we have now, you're only playing against the east and the yeah. and the north. I think we need to play more cricket against each other at a higher level. So pull your top players out of clubs at some point and get them to play against each other. Yeah, we certainly used to when in like when I was in under under thirteens and under fifteens, there was that there was like that middle section. So there was like Glasgow would play against um, like Fergus, so the, the Glasgow clubs would join together. There was like Fergusley, Kelburn, like the sort of Paisley clubs would join, the Ayrshire clubs would join. And yeah, there was that gap. And it was such a big jump from the junior Friday night games where you had four players who were any good playing to yeah, playing an actual game of cricket. And I think it makes such a difference because yeah, you get to play at a higher level where you can't just bank on eight overs of dross to smack about the place. So yeah. I think so the I was just about to say, like, if you. If you if you're playing club cricket, if if you're if you're in a better form as a batsman, and you're playing against the club, you know there's going to be one or two bowlers that you probably got to really watch out for, and then the rest you could, you know, you could milk and and you'll score a hundred no problem. Um, if you're obviously really focused and, and and you're batting that way, but when you get to the Warriors, you don't really. Yeah, there's no one you can you can go and say, right, we're going to go cash in on that. Um, I I do also wonder whether I d- this might be this might be a poor analysis of the situation, but it feels to me like the Knights and the Highlanders at senior level, the Knights and the Highlanders, most of their best players also play in the league in the club sides, whereas a lot of the guys, the best guys in the Warriors setup, so like Cal McLeod plays no WDCU league cricket. Hamza last season wasn't playing any league cricket. Um, Mike they, English, so, don't say. Yeah, uh, the lots, of, lots of guys were coming up. Gav Main was coming up. Played a couple of games for Ruddy, but was coming up from, from county stuff to play. And so there's a bit of a gap as well that the best players who represent the West aren't playing in the WDCU, which means that the, the players in the league setup aren't playing against the best players, which means that the jump into the regional setup is is pretty big because you're going from bowling at who Johnny, you, no offence, but you to then bowling at Callum McLeod or whatever in a 
in the regional setup. And it's, mm-hmm. that's an absolutely enormous jump. And I think certainly through in the East, they seem to, as you were saying, there seems to be more players who are playing at that district level who are actually playing within the leagues. Yeah, I mean, so, so it's a far higher standard of, yeah. of league. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, for for sure, where it was effectively their first team made up almost the entirety of the Cali Highland this team. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you've got to ask yourself too, like how, I mean, besides the guys that are currently playing in the national team that are playing for the East or playing for the North and are playing still in their club, for the club teams over yeah, there, yeah. they were doing that anyway. Yeah. Because the league was attractive. Yeah. Because it was a strong league. Now, some somewhere in the West, something's changed between all those years ago where the league was pretty strong in the West. Like the, yeah. the West regional teams were strong. Um, something's changed. Mm-hmm. Like, if you asked anyone besides maybe the other person who's, who's probably, you know, maybe going down for, for a bit of money, but a lot of the guys want to play good league cricket. They want to know that they're going to get tested on a Saturday. Um, whereas I think there's a clear gap between your top five and your bottom five. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do you, exactly, how if you're wanting to get into the Scotland setup, how last season did you get yourself up for a game against these Right. Like they were so far removed and it's so hard to see it as in any sort of challenge. But how do you, yeah, I think there's a route that, difficulty for people yeah yeah i also think you made a really good point we had at the start about again this is based on my experience of west west of scotland's junior setup was like when i came through there was a lot and this is not a comment on what west have done or on anybody within the club but there was a lot more a lot more of a diverse group of people within that so there was a lot bigger of a basically a state school contingent within the junior setup Whereas if I look at it now, it's really, really heavily populated with kids that go through certain private schools around the club. Now, that's not a comment on those schools or on our recruitment. I think it is just reflective of what, what, do pe- what, what sports are played a lot, how much it, cricket's not prioritised in state secondary schools. So how do you draw people in to play in the game? And I think that's why probably the Edinburgh side of things I mean, certainly when I went to play at Grage at the, the late 90s, okay, it was a shambles. I mean, they, they, had, they had no junior section whatsoever, and that was pretty much reflective of all the other clubs in Edinburgh. The, mm-hmm. they, they didn't bother about the junior setup. It's only now in the last five years or so that they've tagged themselves to certain schools and I think they've now got this enormous funnel that is going to Grange, that is going to Carlton, that is going to Heriot's, um, and they're still, and that's I think one of the reasons why they're stealing a march on everybody yeah. in in the West because there's they've got themselves organised. There's more kids that are coming down to the clubs, whereas here in the West, you know, you know, West as a club are going out to all sorts of schools, and I, I presume Fergus Lee are, are the same. I mean, Sam does a fantastic job down there, but if if it's not, it, it, it's a difficult, difficult job. Yeah, well, selling a four-week a four-week cricket course to kids during their hour weekly PE 
is not necessarily, you might get some who get really, really into it, but it's not a way of bringing, of getting consistent participation. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a really good start for that. But I think, and I think generally Cricket Scotland, based on the numbers, are doing really well in terms of increasing participation. But there is still a gap, I feel, particularly probably, there's, I feel there's probably also a cultural and socioeconomic gap in Glasgow and Paisley, for example, that set it apart from Edinburgh. There's, cricket is not a cool sport, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think also, like, school sports is, in my opinion, school sport needs to change. Like, mm-hmm. again, I don't know the full dynamics of how everything works here, but if I look at, like, South Africa, for example, 90% of the schools played school sport. Like, yeah. I didn't play any any club sport until I was, you know, like, properly, until I'd left school. Yeah. I didn't play any club sport. I played school sport. So I played school hockey. I played school rugby, school cricket, school athletics. And you represented your school. So on a Saturday, I had a 50-over school cricket game from the age of 14 up to 18 every yeah. single Saturday during the summer. Um, and I think that makes a, a, a big, big difference because you can now look at it and go, right, you've got all these schools playing cricket, so you've got a, a bigger pool of players to pick from. Then you can filter through to an under 15 and under 18 um, regional setup, then under 23, and then you can make it further. But I think school sport, for me, played a big role when I was in South Africa. The, 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 the difficulty, I guess, is about facilities um, in any sport, in, in school sport. But I mean, the, the, I think the facilities are there. The difficulty is nowadays the facilities are not on your doorstep. So the school doesn't have, you know, a football pitch. It, got, it has access to a f- football pitch, but they've got to get kids in a bus. They've got to get kids then to the football pitch. Um, and then they've got to get kids away. So it, it's more think, an organisational thing rather than a, a lack of facilities. Yeah, yeah, but I also think like people, if I look at kids these days, like they, they would probably much rather go and sit at home and, and play PlayStation or Xbox or make a uh-huh. TikTok video or something like that. Um, then, then go and spend seven hours playing cricket on a Saturday. I mean, not um, even just cricket. I mean, on a more broader, go and play badminton, table tennis, something that gets you yeah. out from behind the bloody um, video screen and go and do something. It's uh, does my head in. It's changing. <laughs> Listen, let's talk about kids again. About anybody in Fergus Lee that we can watch out for over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think we've we've got quite a few. Um, you know, if we look at like just under twenty fives, you've got um, Haroon, Adil, Tamwa. Uh, These guys are you know really good players. Um, and Staffy says him. Um, <laughs> and then like if you look at juniors, uh, we've got a lot. Um, Got a really good wicket keeper, um, Harry. Um, is that Staffy's played on then at some point soon? Sorry, is that Staffy out the first team soon? Is that what you're saying? Yes, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's looking at um, becoming a bowler these days, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, like I think like our whole junior setup, there's there's a lot of talent, and it's hard to say, you know, who to look out for because I think like all of them have talent, but do all of them have or will all of them get the ambition to to take it further? It's the same with the, the three older guys that I've that I just mentioned. You know, Adil Harun, Tamura, those guys. They they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of skill. Will they do? They have the drive. Will they get the drive? Um, mm. And and will they become consistent in performing? They've, they've they've shown that before that they can be serious match winners. But again, it comes down to that sort of belief. And I think that's in every club. If I look at West, I really like the look of of, of John Oliver. To me, he's a, he's a really good player. Um, but is he going to make it? Does he does he have the drive? Does he have the ambition? Um, is he willing to to put in more work than anybody else? Because mm-hmm. you know, once once you finish with age group cricket, you're competing against at 19. You're competing against a 25 year old for the same spot. Yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to do differently now than than you have done before? And I think that's where, if I just go back to to us as as a club, and even even with the Warriors. We've we've nowhere near done enough to to warrant saying that we're good. Like I've I've been guilty of it too. I keep saying, oh, I should have been picked for that, or I should, I should have, you know, I could easily have scored a hundred there. I could easily have taken five for there. Based on what I know, I'm capable of, or what I've seen myself doing in the past, and. I mean, last year I didn't get picked for a single Scotland A game or whatever, or a development game, and I kept on telling myself, "I don't know what, I don't know why." Um, you know, I'll, I'll get my opportunity, but now looking at it, if I gave up the stats, my stats, to me as a coach, and said, "You've got to pick me," for, like, "Why are you not picking me for a Scotland A game?" I'd laugh in my face. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it just wasn't good enough, and I think. Yeah. Not enough people are, are that honest with themselves to say, because it's easy to go, oh, I'm better than that guy based on what I've done before or my ability or what I know I'm capable of. But that person might be different or not have a you know, beautiful technique or whatever the case may be, but they're pulling up the stats. Yeah. They're, 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 they're putting in the work. They're, they're bringing match-winning performances. And... If I did get selected last year and you went to someone who picked me and said, why was Riyadh picked? You'd have nothing to stand on. Like there, there is no reason why I should have been picked. At all. So, I think we could probably do a whole, like literally a whole show on like what you just said there. But <laughs> what have you done differently then? And I guess it links back to the very start around the belief and stuff at going into the 2019 season. See, coming into the 2020 season, what were you doing personally to not have that outlook? And do you feel that the rest of the team were ready to perform or to take that step and say, what do I need to do to, what do I need to do to contribute to us being a league winning side again? I think as, as a team, there was a bit more of a focus on sort of fitness. We were doing a lot more running. Um, I think that came from the fact that I decided last year I was going to 
play hockey. So that's when that just passed. I went and, and played hockey again because I used to do that when I was at school. Um, and I didn't have to think about cricket. I didn't have to think about, you know, the previous season. I didn't have to think about the next season. It just took my mind completely off it. I absolutely loved the season. Um, it got me really fit. So, to be honest, I never didn't really think anything different of the 2020 season. I just felt a lot more refreshed going into the 2020 season mentally because I didn't have to think about anything. Um, and it was just a case of playing a sport again, you know, and, yeah. and not seeing it as this might be one of my last chances as I'm getting older to try and make it instead of thinking that way. I just went, I'm going to go play some sport. That's that's it. Um, but I think, like, for the younger guys, it's a case of we can pretty much write the season off, but what are you going to do differently from here on in until next season to to make sure that you do get picked because you can again you can you can say you're better than someone else until you're blue in the face but you need you need the stats you need you need it on black and white um, the stats don't lie do they i mean cricket of of all sports um it's in there black and white how many wickets you've got you know what your average is how many runs you've scored and it's there and now with the Western Union the way it is, that you've got stats for 2017, 18 and 19. So it's starting to compile a list that anybody can look at. Um, and you can say, well, listen, no, you're not good enough because the last three seasons you've averaged 20. So you're not getting a gig. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, a, like it's, a, it's a thing of, you know, they might be good enough, but there's no point in you telling me. Yeah. You've, you've got to go out and show me. And you've got to go out and show me that you're capable of, of taking the new ball. I'm not going to just give you the new ball because you asked me for a new ball. Yeah. There's no point in time. I mean, you can open the batting and you can bat for long periods of time and score at four runs and over. These things, they, and, and I'm, I'm really guilty of that too because I say that to myself a lot of the time in my head. If I look at the last three seasons that I played for Ferguson, if it wasn't for my coaching, I think I'd be very surprised if Fergus signed me again. From a per, from a performance perspective, yeah. Wow, absolutely. So I, think, I think that is that that sort of comment. I think is one of the things that again it links back to stuff we were talking about earlier about sort of weekly reflections on performance and stuff. Yeah. That I don't think I don't. This is from a total outside perspective of not playing first eleven cricket. But I don't imagine that that I don't think that that level of self-reflection and honesty is there with very many people or very many and very within very many team setups. I think there's a lot of exactly what you're saying, Riyadh, of people going, "We deserve to win. We should have won that game because we are better than them." Because well, like, without without having done anything to prove that. But nobody talks about it. Yeah, exactly. nobody has one-to-one -one conversations, and nobody is as brutally honest as, as you've been, Riyadh. Um, about saying, well, listen, no, I wasn't good enough. I could have been better. I should have done that. And I will try to do that. Um, but we don't have enough conversations where we say, you know what, that, that wasn't good enough. But I think it, it, it needs to start with an individual. Like You need to be able to say it to yourself before you can say it in a team environment. And I think like, for me, I have no choice but to be honest with myself at the moment. As yeah. I said, 
each person's situation is going to be differently. Each person develops at a different speed and, yeah. and pace and stuff. So for me, I'm running out of time to, to make a full-on professional career out of, out of the sport. So yeah. it's either now or, or it's too late, um, which it, it might be too late now already, but we'll never know. But I've, I've gone to that point where I've gone, right, I'm sick of my own crap. Um, that I'm saying to myself, it's a case of you need to be honest with yourself, you need to be straightforward, and then put an action plan in and then what it, and then execute it. Yeah. And I think for the guys that are that are younger and that are playing first eleven cricket or that are involved in any sort of representative cricket across all levels, all age groups, go and sit in front of the mirror and be a hundred percent honest with yourself. Like, don't blow smoke. Yeah. Like, I, just go and be straight with yourself. Are you, have you been good enough? You know what you're capable of. You know your talent. But have you delivered? If you haven't delivered, don't complain. Don't complain about someone else getting picked because you're I, not, you haven't been good enough. And from a leadership point of view, in order for you to start instilling that within your team, you need to be the first to lead that conversation because it's very difficult, almost impossible, I would say, because you haven't got any empathy then with the rest of your teammates because you haven't been prepared to stand up and say, well, no, this wasn't good enough, that wasn't good enough. Before, I mean, you can only have a conversation about somebody's you know, inabilities or foibles, et cetera, and, and, until you actually express yeah. yourself. Well, I think, I think even then, uh, you'll be you'll be struggling to do it with someone else unless they've done it themselves because mm -hmm. it's it's natural human instinct if you're going to say something bad to me first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to put up my wall and get defensive <laughs> yeah be like oh but you do that or you do yeah, that yeah. Oh, but I've, I've done this which is good uh -huh. so they need to do it themselves first yeah you need and, to set it up exactly and 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 i think once people start doing that and and this is what i'm hoping for going into next season is that I might not have to have that conversation with people but I might be saying enough through my performances then after this mm -hmm. and that's kind of where I'm hoping whereby well then either for myself I'll go forward but also for my team and for the club that will then get other people maybe either starting the conversation with themselves or coming to me or someone else to start that conversation and um, you know it's and it's and it's just as bad for example in in the Warriors um, I'm again I'm, I'm still surprised that I'm, I'm I'm playing Warriors never mind counting it when 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 Richie was gone um, but at the same time you can look at the league and say do you have enough players to pick from um, and I would say, even if it didn't, I would, I would probably still not make that team if you just had to pick on stats. Yeah. And, that, so and that's, a, that's a scary, honest, to, scary truth to tell yourself. Yeah. I think there's something in there as well to do with like, team dynamics and how people view their relationships with other people of not feeling A, confident enough to be B or appear vulnerable in front of people who they consider to be friends and also to then also pass honest because there's that initial defensive reaction 
any criticism is always taken as as a direct criticism of you as a person, as opposed to your performance on the pitch on Saturday, the twenty sixth of April. Do you know what I mean? Like I think, and I think people really struggle with that sort of the the, the gap between their personal relationship and their friendship with people in the bar afterwards, and how you talk about performance within the, the within the team dynamic. But that just depends as to how strong your own individual relationship is with that person. And if it's a yep. very, very strong relationship that, that is maybe has started at the cricket club, but it's one of these things, I think one of the reasons why it's difficult is because at the end of the season, you don't see that person for another six, seven months, and then you come back. So you, you cannot have a relationship where you're prepared to criticise somebody if you're only seeing them six months of the year that's going to be very very difficult to do yeah like yeah you, you do make a good point in terms of you know how strong the relationship is but if, if if you're probably and you could probably go and look around there's been family members that have probably fell out because of something like this so yeah your relationship needs to be strong with that person or your rapport needs to be strong with that person but at the same time that person's and yourself, your characters need to be really strong yep. and be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. Because see, when I said these things to myself, and it wasn't having a go at myself, it was a case of I need to state the obvious. Yep. I need to, you know, address the elephant in the room. It it hurts because you feel you, wow, this is. You know, you, you can't really hide around it because you've got the stats in front of you. You're just not good enough mm -hmm. at the moment. You're just not performing. Over over three years, you just haven't done enough. And um, we've had glimpses, but that's not good enough. And I think like that really, it did hurt. But I think overall, you need to break something down to be able to build it up stronger. It's cliche yeah. and it sounds very weird to say, but it's, it's the truth. You mentally, I think you have to be something that's not. Mentally, I think you have to be very, very strong. And, and you use three words there at the moment, which was very interesting, because yes, you can analyse yourself, and you know sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. But using the words at the moment says to me that there is another day. There's another day to fight. There's another way in which you can become a better player. And I think that's so, so important that, yeah, it's all very well saying, listen, this is what you've done wrong, that's what you've done wrong. But you need to then be able to focus on what you are good at and then put in place a plan and then execute that plan to make sure that you, know, you have fewer and fewer of these conversations. Yeah, you, you're spot on there. Like, the issue, like, there will always be another day until you make that decision. Mm -hmm. And that decision can only come from you. People can instill as much confidence in you as much as possible. And people can try and be as, as, as brutally honest with you as much as possible. But if you're not in a position or if you're, you're not mentally spoken to yourself and made that decision to say, right, I'm, I need to change. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep getting the same things. Mm -hmm. I need to change. So until you make that decision, there's always going to be another day. And that's probably the fortunate thing about people that are probably now 23 or, you know, early 20s, whereas I'm 28. I had to make that decision. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm running out of time. 
they've still got a bit of time on their hands. And if they keep delaying it, they're also going to get to 28.30 and go, right, I think I need to make a decision now. And then by then it could be too late. Need to make a decision. This is, this is a huge question, which given the amount of time we've been on, it probably, again, probably would need to be another day. But how do, do you, I guess, do, do you think that in Scotland we do enough to support young cricketers to do that? And if not, well, if yes, what do we do well? And if not, what do we need to do better? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think we do enough. Because I don't think that whoever's their, their mentor or their coach, I don't think a lot of them have done that themselves. Yep. Um, and again, that's myself included. Um, we haven't gone through that process ourselves to then be able to, to talk a younger person through that. And because it's it's a strange time, you know, you 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 question a lot of your your ability through that, and you feel really, you use the right word there, Johnny, vulnerable, um, during that. And I think for a youngster, if they don't have the right support, but they've made that decision, or, or they're going through that stage, they'll give it up. They'll give up the sport. They'll give up, you know, whatever sort of ambition they have, whether it be in business or. or whatever it may be, they'll, they'll give it up because they just don't have the support around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a difficult one to teach, though, because you, you can't just go on, you can't just take coaches to a course uh, or mentors to a course and say, this is how you talk people or this is how you get youngsters through that sort of, sort of process. I think each person needs to first go on a you know, personal development Yep. Like process and, and it's not a theory it's, it's a case of needs to be physically actioned yeah it's difficult because pe- people will take on board what you say in their own way yeah so whether that's um positive or whether that's negative it's very difficult to control how they use that information and how they hear that one of the things that certainly I tend to use is that even before we start talking about stuff like that, I say to them and I preface the conversation with the basis of, listen, what I'm going to tell you now is only being said on the basis that I want you to be the best version of whatever you're going to be. There will be criticism, there will be positives, but this is taken and you have to take it from the right stance that I am saying to you these things because I want you to become a better player. And I think if you're you're prefacing that, then there can be no excuse for them not to think, well, hmm, because I think, think, I think like that's a, that's, that's a good point, but it's how we understand things is based on obviously what we've had or, or what we've experienced in the past. So, my immediate perception to what you've just said there is I don't really like that because it's like saying, you know, I'm, I'm not, not a racist, but, or I love you, but mm-hmm. do you understand what I mean? I, I think it's, we need to just go in with a point. 
you know, this is my truth of you. Mm-hmm. Not because I want you to be a better player, not because, you know, I, I care about our friendship or our relationship or I care about you as a player or whatever. This is my truth for you. Then it's up to that person to, to interpret it as purely as possible because that is my truth for you. Give me your truth for me. But when people start by saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only saying this because I love you. I'm only saying this because I care for you. And I'm only saying this because I want the best for you. People immediately go, mm, well, what's about to follow? Mm-hmm. They immediately go, what's about to follow is negative. So automatically parts of my God start coming up. And I think it, we just need that when people are just calm, no barriers up, no anticipation of what's about to happen, there's my truth for you. And I think that goes back to what we were saying about the strength, like this, the actual strength of the relationship almost, of if you feel the need, if there's a little bit, I think there's probably a difference, say, between coaching a group of 14-year-olds in a school cricket team to in a, in a first-team dressing room environment. But if you feel the need to really preface it with, with all that thing, is the relationship really strong enough for that person to take on board what you're saying? Because you're feeling like you've got to sugarcoat it for them as opposed to saying, I think you haven't done this properly. I think you need to improve on this. Because I think you do start to give people a little bit of a, a get out of, here's, here's me couching this in some sort, of, some sort of term. But I also think there's, it's really, really, it's such a complicated one because you, you see the same issues in teaching, for example, where we're pushing more towards like well-being in schools as opposed to teaching people for exams. And you've got teachers who were trained to teach people for exams not to support young people with their well-being and to get to know them as people. And so how do you do that within cricket coaching? How do you get people who have, who have got the skills and the ability to teach me to play a street drive off of a cone, but don't necessarily have any of the skills required to get to know me as a person, work out what makes me tick, and then find the language that will help me improve? Those are totally desperate ideas. You, you, you shouldn't have to find a nice way to tell the truth. Yeah. Because it's, it's the truth, you know. Um, you've just got to go out and stand in front of the mirror and be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, go and say the things that need to be said. Go and look at what you've done as a player, what you've done as a coach. And you'll be able to see the results. Yeah. You know deep inside that you haven't given 100% or you have given 100%. You, you know that. There's no point in saying, oh, but I, I tried, I tried to give 100%. You either do or you don't. It, it's that simple. And, yeah. and that's really difficult to, to stand there and say, you know what, Riyadh, you didn't give 100% as a player. Because if I did, I wouldn't have had to go and play hockey to get my fitness up. I wouldn't have to wait for people to message me to say, oh, let's go to the next. My dad strictly never messaged me or never said to me, oh, do you want to go to the Nets? Because his career was done. It's a case of you make that decision and he will join you as a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I had that in my life. I, I was at a, in, a, in a position whereby I was doing those sort of things and I was, I was training by myself and I was putting in the hard yards. But somewhere I either got conceited, things happened too quickly, I got conceited, I felt like I was God's gift to cricket, whatever the case may be, 
and and it all disappeared. And a couple of years later, I'm sitting there going, I stuffed up. Again, going back to something that we spoke about earlier and on, do you think that the quality of the league had any impact on that? So do you think playing in the WDCU is, like, does the fact that that would come far more easily to you, I assume, than playing first-class cricket in South Africa would have done? Could that have an impact no. on that? I, I don't think so. It, it will, I think it will only have an impact if you allow it to have an impact. Yep. Which a lot of us, including the ones that play, you know, representative cricket, we've allowed the standard of league to dictate the standard of play that we produce. Yeah, we've allowed ourselves to to get caught up in in crappy chat and and chirping because that's the type of people we play against. We we've allowed you know ourselves to get frustrated because someone's bowling. 50 mile an hour seamers <laughs> with a keeper up and a you know long off long on field is back just ring the field you know you've got no way to score we've allowed ourselves to get frustrated yeah you know we're not happy with oh i can just get run a ball here just knock it down and get one no we want to assert some sort of dominance and you know smash someone out the park and show that we're better than them yeah like you don't show someone that you're better than them by smashing them for six sixes and over. You show them that you're better than them by putting in a match-winning performance and getting knocked out or taking a fifer or going for no runs or taking a catch when you're not supposed to take the catch or get the run out with a direct hit. That's how you assert your dominance. That's how you show that you're good enough. So no matter who you're playing against, you, you can't let your standards slip. And and that's where you know a lot of us have we've we fell short. We we allowed, you know, if I look at it just as an example, Fraser McDonald, uh, when we played him last season, and um, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's actually a wicketkeeper, I think, um, yeah. and and he bowls better offspin. Um, that frustrated me when he was bowling at me, the fact that he was a wicketkeeper, and he was bowling at me. And I couldn't get him away at all. And I actually think he ended up getting me out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then I came off and I'd give myself some stupid reason as to why I got out or why I didn't get any runs. Do you know what I mean? So we allow ourselves to slip. And the more we do that, we get into a habit and we formulate this perception of who we are and who we play against. Um, and how we play the game and I think like everything just needs to be broken down personally in order for us to be able to to play our cricket Listen Riyad, it's been absolutely fascinating I have to say you're of all the guests we've had on you're probably the one that has had more insight into the game how it's played uh, and so much more behind the actual playing of the game it's been absolutely fascinating I feel yeah. as if we've we've uh, had a sort of psychologist chat on the. <laughs> you should have a chair. <laughs> you maybe rename the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's been good. No, good. I've uh, no really glad that you've come on and uh, and shared those insights. They've been absolutely super. No good. problem. Thanks for having me. Good.
Cheers, Ria. Just last question before you go. How are how are things back home? Family all safe, etc. Yeah, not bad. Um, they they had actually had a stricter lockdown than what we did initially. Um, <laughs> they weren't allowed to leave. You weren't allowed to leave your property unless you were okay. going for your shopping. So no exercise outside your property. So unless you had a backyard or a front yard, you couldn't be outside yeah. or anything. And obviously the weather was quite good. Um, but yeah, I know everybody's safe. Um, so hopefully it stays that way and we all get through this. All right. Good. Good, good, good. Well, listen, we'll have you on. Um, hopefully, we'll get some cricket played um, over the, the next while. And uh, if we do, best of luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much. Keep safe, guys. Cheers, Cheers Riyad. Thanks very much, mate. Wow. So that wow. was... <laughs> Slightly different tone from some of our, some it, of our recordings. It, it, that it, was genuinely fascinating. Yes. He was hell of an open, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh-huh. I think... I think I said this, I don't know if it was on air last year or if it was in one of our post-show breakdowns. But I'm, I just, I'm very impressed with him as a person. Like that mm. level of open, open, openness and honesty. It's not like that, that's not just uncommon in cricket. I think that's uncommon in life generally. People tend not to want to be that frank about maybe where they've fallen down or not given enough effort and then about what they've done to to make that next step. But if you're consistent, okay, and you are consistently like that, as I, I'm assuming that he is, yeah. then when you speak to him, you know that's what you're going to get. It, yeah. It's where I think you have a sort of double standard, then that that way of acting is almost untenable. Yes, absolutely. If you're, if you're absolutely brutal and honest, then when you have a chat with Riyad, you know at some stage he's going to have that conversation about, well, why didn't you do that? That's yes. not good enough. And I, I think that that is a huge problem, is that you have people are willing to tell other people what they think, say, Chris Ross has done wrong on the pitch, but mm -hmm. aren't willing to tell me that because there's too much of an onus on friendship as if friendship is built through not be, do you know what I mean to me friendship and relationships are built through being able to be honest and frank with people can not through being nice to somebody all the time because being nice to somebody's face all the time gets them nowhere and I again, think that that, that comes back to my point about having a six-month friendship as far as cricket is concerned yeah you know? absolutely so if you've got a 12-month friendship that, that's year-round, then you're probably going to be a little bit easier with caveats to have that conversation with somebody. Yeah. I mean, and I think it is, there is a really big difficulty of everybody who plays the game is at a totally different point of their life, aren't they? Mm -hmm. we, don't have, we don't have psychologists, we don't have uh, sort of all that stuff that professional sports teams get to to kind of develop those skills and so you're expecting 11 guys to to all come on board with something which they personally might not be might not be able to i mean i i, I would i would say i'm person my ability to do that is not based on cricket at all it's based on other reflections of my my life because it doesn't factor that whether i perform that well on saturday in wdcu division four it's not not making a huge difference to every, anybody else's life. But I think that 
when you've got the gulf between yeah people who are at uni and people who maybe whilst they're playing first eleven cricket they've got a job that's more important to them or they've got a child on the way it's really hard to get 11 people to buy into that all at the same time but it's not and just 11 it's, some... but it's not just 11 it's 14 or 15 yeah. because you're not going to have 11 guys that play throughout the season so in essence a whole squad has to buy into that absolutely and i think i have a theory about coaching like of amateur coaching of clubs where people seem to do quite well for two or three seasons and then then it seems to me to fall apart slightly and people whether it falls apart in terms of performance but training standards slip people stop buying in and i think that's because people can only listen to the same when they're when people aren't fully committing to an idea of development they're buying in in the short term that message starts to wear thin and so mm -hmm. teams tend not to dominate for that long i don't think in scotch cricket even though they've got the best players because it's really hard to retain the mentality to do it and that level of opening, openness and honesty with everybody and listening to the same messages over more than a season or two. Yeah, yeah. So I tell you what, um, we'll, I think we should get Kyle on, Kyle Kurtzer. He was on to me again during the week asking when he was coming on. So he's obviously very keen, but I yes. feel that we, our, our thunder might have been stolen because Spegsy's done a, a podcast with him. Has he, is, so is Spegsy's one halfway up middle? Oh no, I don't know whose is that? There's, there's loads, of pod, like, loads of stuff popped up in the last week. We've got competition. What? So somebody started one called Halfway Up Middle. Oh, no, which I'm I right, heard that I'm right Mr. Lockhart might be on. Huh? Then Chasm Shake has just started one called Shakey's Cricketing Journey. And whoa, 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 back it up. Shakey's what? Shakey's Cricketing Journey. Right. Was I just talking about him, is it? I don't know, but he seemed to turn it around quite quickly. He released one this morning, I think. Right. So shake so we've got shaky competition, halfway up middle. You said that's another one. Yep, halfway up middle. And then you're saying that Spexy's got one as well. Well Spexy's done a school one. Oh well that so doesn't you, count. So you can imagine what that's like. God <laughs> Godsman absolutely tore him to pieces on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether he was tearing, I don't know if he was tearing Spegsy apart or whether he was tearing Kyle apart. He said, what's, what's Kyle going to say for 45 minutes with Spegsy trying to speak to him? <laughs> so halfway up, well, so who's been on all these shows? I don't know. I've not, I have to say I've not listened yet. I need to go back and do some follow-up listening. But I think halfway up, I don't seem to have quite a few people on. Do they? I think that might be a more, more official outfit than us. What are you trying to say? <laughs> well, given right. I have to close my blinds in my house to be able to film this without there being too much glare. <laughs> um, right, listen, let's wrap it up. Sometimes right. Sometimes wrong. Always. Always certain. Always certain. Good show. Cheers, Johnny. Thanks very much, mate. All righty, we'll catch you next week, eh? Catch you next week. Cheers.